Listen, when we talk about powerful, we've been talking about not powerful like, you know, Avengers or someone super buff like me or something or, you know, like, <laughs> just kidding. Hey, but like, we're, we're not just talking about like coercive force, you know, like you have to do this and I'm powerful. So I'm in charge. And when I get powerful, that means I get angry and I dominate you. And that means you have to listen to me. Like, we're not talking about that. That's, that's not our definition of powerful for this series. Our definition of powerful is being in control of yourself. People who take responsibility for their own lives, their own choices, their own actions, aka like powerless. Let's go to the opposite because it sometimes helps us understand that powerless is the perspective that says I'm out of control. I blame everybody for everything that goes on in my life. I'm controlling. I'm manipulative, people pleasing and driven by fear. Everyone say, no, 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 no. That's not me. That's not me. You know. So that's powerless. And we've been kind of looking at this contrast, like, like powerless people are always blaming everybody for the situation that they're in. They take no responsibility for their, their situations in life. And, and, and you know, we, we have to realize that we cannot control what happens to us, but we can control how we respond to the situations. And powerful people, they realize that, hey, listen, I'm not in control of everything that happens to me. But powerful people realize, like, hey, listen, that happened to me, but I'm not going to be in a funk and be bitter the rest of my life because I had some bad Bad things happen in my life. I'm not going to get stuck in the pit of despair and bitterness. I'm going to get myself out of that because it's just not a healthy place to live. And powerful people realize I'm actually in control of myself. This is the most freeing thing in the world. We realize that you're actually not stuck in any situation that you're in. Like, like you're not stuck in, in your bad relationship. You know, say like, well, he doesn't treat me right or she doesn't do It's like, uh, you know, you're not stuck, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, you actually have the ability to get out of bad relationships. You have the ability to get out of bad jobs. You have the ability. To, you know what I'm saying? You, you're a powerful person and you're in control of your life. And this is actually the gospel of Jesus Christ that God came and he, and he bridged the gap between us so that we could be in control of our lives again. We, we spun ourselves out of control and got in sin and started rebelling against all this stuff. And, and Jesus Christ came, died on a cross, forgave our sins and gave us the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit gives us this thing called self control, where you're now back in charge of your life again. And the good, the good news about God is that he is, his goal has never been and never will be to control you. It's always been to empower you so that you can be a responsible person on the earth today. And so we looked at God as being powerful. We, we looked at how God made a decision to love us. Like God wasn't obligated to love us. God wasn't like, oh crap, they all sinned and now I have to go rescue. No, 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 no. He made a decision because he really wanted to be with you and he chose. I didn't have to marry my wife. I chose to marry her because I wanted to be with her for the rest of my life. Amen. You all should say amen because you just got married a couple weeks ago. Jesus, come on, Jesus didn't minister to everybody every time. He wasn't a victim to people's needs and urgencies. He chose what he wanted to do. Jesus chose to surrender to the Father's will. Last week, we looked at powerful communication, and people who are in powerful communication, they know that, I'm just giving you a recap, okay? I want to, I just, if you, it's your first time, or just to help us catch up what we've been talking about. Powerful people know that the goal of communication isn't to agree, but it's to understand, because so many times we'll be like, well, you don't agree with me. I'm not your friend anymore. And we just like build a wall and now we don't talk. It's like, 
How about we can understand where each other's coming from? And if you have a different viewpoint than me, that doesn't shut me off from loving you. It just helps me appreciate that there's actually other viewpoints on the earth other than myself. Amen. That's good. And we talked about powerful people understand they cannot control other people. We realize that the only person that you can control on a good day is yourself. (laughs) You're not in charge of anybody else, but you are responsible for yourself. But powerful people realize that my conversation with you is not to manipulate you or to kind of control you to think like I think. It's to understand. It's to realize that you're a different person. I can appreciate you being different. And the other thing we talked about was that powerful people, they use I messages. I'm not talking about, you know... (laughs) I, you know, I'm not, this isn't a, a Apple plug or anything, but it's like, it's I, it's letting you know what's going on inside of me. How many understand that sometimes in conflict, the conflict goes like something like this. When you do this, I feel like you're an idiot. Why are you doing that? You know, I say like, and that didn't actually say anything about you. It said everything about your opinion about them. You know what I'm saying? Like sometimes in conflict, we're like, I feel like you always, and whenever you start doing the you thing, you're not telling anything about you. You're telling about them. And that is not what powerful people do. Powerful people communicate what's going on inside of them because they realize that, hey, listen, I can't assume that you know what's going on inside of me. I have to actually communicate that. Hey, when you did that, that actually hurt me. When you did that, I felt hurt and I need to feel accepted in this relationship. We're like, whoa, we just opened our heart. Now I just, this is crazy. But this is what powerful people do. So this is what we've been in, man. We've been talking about this and it's, I really believe that God is beginning to shape our hearts and minds in this. And so we've been looking at this passage, Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. And um, it says this, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. And it says, verse two, and walk in love. Everyone say, walk in love. As Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So those are the, this is what we've been looking at. We go like, God is powerful, so we got to imitate him because that's what we're asked to do here. If we're going to choose to follow Christ, he said, be imitators of God and God is in charge of himself. So therefore we should be in charge of ourselves. But then he says this, walk in love. And here's the deal. Uh, tonight we're, we're focusing on boundaries. And so we're coming to like a kind of a conclusion in the series, but we're, we're talking about boundaries. Here's the thing. Paul writes to us here and he says, walk in love. So we, we know this as followers of Christ. We know that we're supposed to walk in love. This is the thing, like to love people, to love one another, to, to, to give grace and bring forgiveness and be compassionate and, and patient. You know, it's like, you know, people are like, I'm praying for patience. But like, you know, you should probably pray for love because love is patient. You know what I'm saying? Like love is patient. And if you, and if you walk in love, you'll begin to be patient in people's lives. And so but this is the thing that happens. We talk about walking in love. But it's important for us to realize that love is not a doormat. You you get what I'm saying? Like, love is not like, oh, now I'm loving people, so that means they get to walk all over me. Because I feel like, I feel like sometimes, you know, when conflict comes up, sometimes love gets this reputation that it's this mushy, unstable, overly emotional thing that we do. It's like, oh, you mean I have to love them? 
i.e. we're thinking in our head, you mean I have to let them walk all over me and get all mushy and, and like just let them control me and take advantage of me? Like sometimes we equate oh, we have to love people. So that means we have to let them walk all over us. And obviously that's not the truth, but sometimes we, we equate it with letting people walk all over us and taking advantage of us and let us and us being out of control. But I want to say this, that love does not equal passivity. Love doesn't equal, oh, I have to love you, therefore I let you run me over with your words all the time, or I let you just take control of my life. It's like, no, 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 wait, powerful people understand that, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to be controlled by anybody except for myself. And love does not equal passivity. Like Jesus was not manipulated into dying on a cross for us. Like Jesus wasn't like, like, oh man, I have to. He's like, he chose to lay his life down. He did it because he wanted to, not because he had to. And love is a choice to extend goodness to others. It's so important for us to realize that love isn't letting people or urgency take advantage of our lives. It's not letting urgent things take advantage of us. Like, oh, well, <laughs> I have a truck. So that equals I am now the new mover of the church. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it doesn't equal that. It's like, just because people in the church and, and being that I'm in front of people a lot, then, oh, I'm a high profile person. We're like, oh, he got a truck and I know it. You know, like, I want to, that means I'm moving this weekend. And, and now it's like this urgency. You're a pastor. You're supposed to help me. You're supposed to take care of me. But like, hey, <laughs> like love isn't letting your urgencies and your needs determine my priorities because <laughs> I have boundaries. I, you know, like I actually have a life. I have a son. I have a, you know, I have a wife that's way more important than someone else. You know, you know what I'm saying? Asking me like, oh, you have a truck that equals me. I get to use your truck. You're <laughs> like, no, 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 no. Not everyone. And this is the key. This is like a key phrase I want you to remember. Not everyone should have the same access to your life. And this is where we get into this really focused in on boundaries. Like not everyone should have the same access. Like I am, if this is your church, I am, I'm one of your pastors at this church, but that doesn't mean that everyone that I lead, whether it's a Thursday or a Sunday gets a hundred percent access whenever they want. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I have a day off called Monday. And if you text me or you call me on Monday, I may or may not return, or I may or may not answer your phone call. You know what I'm saying? And I don't care if you get mad at me because I, I have priorities and my priority is my wife, my son, and I have a day off and I need to rejuvenate and get some rest in my, you know what I'm saying? Like, and if it, you know, and so that just means that not everyone should have access to your life as well. Like we have to actually have healthy boundaries. Like my friend, Nate Firth, uh, he got like an all access backstage pass to this concert recently. I think it was in Del Mar. And I think the band train was performing. You guys know what I'm saying? Like, Hey, soul sister. Hey, you know, they were doing right. That's right. <laughs> And, they, and he got this whole thing and he got to go backstage. And I think he saw like the pro surfer, Rob Machado, and all these different people were back there. I mean, was, that's pretty cool when you get the all access pass to go backstage and hang out with the homies. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, dude, hey, you know. But help me understand, not everybody has that pass because or else it would be chaos back there. You know what I'm saying? It, it would, it, in other words, love doesn't mean that everyone gets to consume your time, your energy, your resources, and your emotions whenever they want. Love doesn't equal that. Like, love doesn't mean that, hey, you can, you, you get all access to me whenever you want. Be like, you know, it's like this. Sometimes we get, uh, we get, we get saved and we start experiencing all this stuff and all of a sudden, 
we like, we, we could, we could turn into an overzealous Christian where it's like, we were like, oh, I see this homeless person on the road. I got to feed them. I got to give them all my money. But like, oh, actually I'm going to have them move in with us. And then, you know, there's my other friend who needs some help. He's going to move in too. And then also I'm going to spend all my other time at this other place. And we get all overzealous about all this spiritual stuff. But how many of you realize that that's actually unhealthy and we can, we can, to like uh, we can cloak it with religion or we can cloak it with, oh, actually I'm doing a good service, but not everybody should have the same chaos. And we make these boundaries in our lives because not, not to, like, like for example, that boundary for my Mondays, like I, I really don't do anything, any, I really try not to do anything church-related, work-related. And I made that boundary not to offend anybody or not to please anybody. I made it to protect my priorities, I made these boundaries to protect priorities and there's certain levels of intimacy or access in your life that have to be reserved for the most important relationships in your life. Have you heard this phrase like, if you don't plan your day, someone else will? You know what I'm saying? Like, if you don't make boundaries, people will just like barrage you. They will just come through and you'll be like, why is my life out of control? Because you haven't set any boundaries up and anyone and everyone has access to you all the time. And it's craziness. And so, man, I, I think this is the huge thing. This is why it's important to have boundaries because boundaries protect your priorities. Boundaries protect your priorities. When you make boundaries, you're actually saying, like priorities are the things that you have said yes to. And, and, and in saying yes, you've also said no to other things. You with me? Like when, when you say yes to certain relationships, you also say, no, I've said this multiple times here, but when I said yes to Rochelle on, you know, September 12th, 2009, I said no to every other girl on the planet. You know what I mean? But that's, that's a, that's a powerful choice though. Like my, so you have to realize when you say yes to something, you're also saying no to every other thing. Like, so for example, in scripture, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, there's this thing uh, in John 5, this thing called the Pool of Bethesda, and an angel would come down and stir the waters, and the, per- and the first sick person to get in there and touch the water would get healed. And so there was this dude who was sitting there, and he was sick, and he was crippled for 38 years he was there. But this is the crazy part, because Jesus comes in there, and it said there was a multitude of sick people, blind people, lame, paralyzed people sitting around here. And Jesus only walked up to the one guy, And what I think is crazy, his yes to him actually said no to everybody else. Did you catch that? Like his yes to the dude who got healed said no to everybody else. Now, we know theologically that didn't just mean no forever. It meant no for this time. But we have to realize Jesus, like for another example, uh, this guy named Jairus, he was a ruler of a synagogue. And and he was was begging. He found where Jesus was because Jesus was healing people and setting people free. He found where Jesus was. He said, Jesus, Jesus, have pity on me. My daughter is dying. She's 12 years old and she's dying. But if you come and touch her, she'll live. And and, And so what did Jesus say? He said, yes. It's powerful when your priorities are the things that you say yes to. And so Jesus saying yes, as he's walking to the place, it says the crowds just, it, it, they, they came, they, it, they use this word thronged him. Uh, we, we don't use that in our daily vocabulary, but it literally just, they came around him so much. He was like almost being choked out. Like Jesus was being like hoarded by people. And what I think is so crazy is all those people had needs, but because Jesus had already said yes to something, he wasn't like concerned with all the other things that everyone needed at that time. Now we know that there was a moment when the woman reached out and touched his hem of his gar- garment and, and she <laughs> snuck a healing out of him. You know what I'm saying? If I can say it like that. 
But Jesus kept moving forward because he said yes to something. This is what boundaries do. They protect your priorities, the things that you say yes to. And so when I say, hey, uh, honey, we're going to, this Friday night, we're going out. You know, we're having date night on Friday night. I said yes. But then let's say someone in the crux has an urgent need. They, they just like have, you know, whatever, had a, a, a breakup or had a car accident or had a tragic thing happen in their life. And they call me. I need to talk to you now. You know, like I need help right now. What do I do? I, I already said yes to a very important person in my life. So I can say, hey, listen, I realize that you're in a real tough time. I can give you time on Tuesday at 1230. Well, no, I need you now. I don't have, I'm gonna give you help on Tuesday at 1230 <laughs> because I have a boundary that's protecting what's really important to me. My priority is my wife right now, not anybody else. And now what, what I just did is I just communicated to my wife, she's valuable. And I just communicated to him that, or who, her, or whatever it is, that my wife is, is a higher priority on the list. And I just, I, I just, and I also protected a valuable relationship in my life. Because I wasn't being drawn around by everybody else. Oh, everyone has needs. Everyone has needs. Jesus, Jesus is the ultimate need meter. You know what I'm saying? Like, but he didn't walk around the earth going like, ah, oh, if that was true, he'd still be here like 2,000 years later laying hands on the sick. Like, I know I got to go to the cross someday, but dude, all these people need healing. You know, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Jesus wasn't driven by needs of man. He was driven by his priorities and the things that he said yes to. And that means when you say yes to something, you also say no. No boundaries is like, it, it, it's like no, it's, no, no boundaries is inviting like destruction, destructive and disrespectful relationships and sketchy relationships to come into your life. Like, let me say this. Let me, let me help you with this meme here. No boundaries is like giving an all access pass to, to this girl. Can we put that? Can we put that up? You know what I'm saying? On, on, on first date, enough about me. Let's talk about us. Let's do the next one. Hey, this is, by the way, <laughs> you don't want me to be your girlfriend anymore? Of course I'll marry you. You know, like, that's overly attached girlfriend. I recorded you breathing at night and made it my ringtone. <laughs> Having no boundaries is... <laughs> is inviting that kind of stuff. I, obviously, that's extreme, but I'm going to say, like, having no boundaries in your life is like inviting this kind of destructive, creepy, <laughs> overly concerned people in your life. You know what I'm saying? Like, ooh, overly attached girlfriend. That's what she's called. Is that that's right? That's the name? I thought it was insecure girlfriend, but I think overly attached one is better. Same thing, right? Same thing, yeah. Listen, part of being in control of yourself is managing different levels of intimacy or access with people in your life. It's managing who gets access to your life well. Like, like just because someone in your life has a need doesn't mean that you have to always be the one to meet it. That's freedom, man. And I, I know I'm joking about it, but like just because you have a truck doesn't mean that you're now the official mover of the community. You know what I'm saying? Like, 
You know what I mean? Like, like powerful people live a life that says the needs of others don't control my choices. My priorities do. The needs of others do not control my choices. My priorities do. And so when we look at all this, I mean, there's so many examples of all this stuff, but I just think like we have to know not everyone should have the same access. And we got to realize that when we create priorities, we have to protect them with boundaries. So when we look at Jesus' life, Jesus actually prioritized certain relationships over others. And so I'm going to just look at the Gospel of Luke for a little bit, um, just kind of some, some verses here. But in, in chapter 6, verse 12, it says, In these days he, Jesus, went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. In verse 13, when the day, And when day came, he called his disciples and chose from them twelve whom he named apostles. So we see here that there is actually a group of disciples that had to be more than twelve because he got out of that group twelve. And we can see that at least it was 72 by uh, Luke 10, chapter 1. So we're just, just kind of jump around here. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. So it looks like there was a, a big group, and we're going to put a number on that, 72. And out of, those 12, out of those 72, he chose 12 to actually be closer to him. And we've talked about this before, but I want to show you it from Scripture. Luke eight fifty one. This is where we see levels of intimacy getting even closer. And when he came to the house, he allowed no one to enter with him. This is that story about Jairus and his daughter. He finally made it to the house in this part. And it said he let no one else in him except Peter and John and James and the father and mother of the child. And then he actually uh, releases healing and the daughter gets up and it was powerful. Luke 9.28, again, you see this. He goes up on the mountain. This is the story called the Mount of Transfiguration. And it says, now about eight days after these things, he took with him, again, Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And so here, here's the picture. We see Jesus in the crowds. And we see Jesus ministering with 72. He has disciples who are at least 72. He had, a, he had a big youth group, you know what I'm saying? And then out of the 72, he had 12 that were close to him. And then out of the 12, we see that Peter, James, and John actually got to do some things that not the other 12 got to. That means they had a little more access in his life. They got to go do some things with Jesus that, let's say, Matthew or Bartholomew or whoever else wasn't able to. Now look at John 13, verses 23 through 26. Uh, Jesus is at what we know as the Last Supper. Uh, Jesus actually just said, hey, one of you actually is going to betray me. This is, he's actually telling them. I, don't, I just think about this this scene, I go like, this is crazy. He actually tells them what they're going to, what's going to happen. And nobody even gets it. Like I like, I would have punched Judas at least, but no one got it, man. I'm like, anyway, but I'm a powerful person. You know, I would have, I would have do the I message to him anyway. <laughs> and I, yeah. One of his disciples whom Jesus loved was reclining at table at Jesus side, at the table at Jesus side. And this is John. So check this out. So Simon Peter motioned to him to ask Jesus of whom he was speaking. So that disciple, leaning back against Jesus, said to him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, it is he to whom I will give this morsel of bread when I have dipped it. So when he had dipped the morsel, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. And, and, we, and then the whole thing happens and he goes out. Here's the crazy part. We know that the disciple whom Jesus loved is John. 
<laughs> but this is the crazy part. And if you've been with me long enough, you've heard me say this before, but I just still, I just think it's amazing. Peter, it, it, scholars kind of believe that the way that the, the table was set up was that uh, Jesus was like, wait, say who's right here. Uh, John was on one side, Judas was on the other, but Peter was on the other side of the table. And so this is what's crazy because Jesus tells, announces to the table, he says, hey guys, some, one of you is going to betray me. And what I think is interesting is that Peter doesn't ask Jesus directly. Like he's sitting right in front of him. He does not ask him directly. He says, hey, John, can you ask Jesus to tell us who the one is? And I think, why didn't Peter just ask him directly? And I think that not only do we see that he called himself the disciple whom Jesus loved, which he had a pretty good perspective, but like, I think not only he was the one who noticed it, but I think Peter also saw it too, that John actually had a closer access of intimacy and relationship with Jesus than he did. You know what I'm saying? Like, you brothers and sisters, you all know who's the favorite. We don't like to say it out loud, but you all know who's the favorite. You know what I mean? <laughs> Whoa, what's happening over there? You know... And you know, this is what happens when, when you're like not sure you want to ask mom or dad about something, instead of you asking, you like think, who's the favorite? <laughs> ah, okay. I'm going to ask you to ask mom because if I ask, they ain't going to give me a good answer. But if you ask, they're going to tell you good stuff. You know, y'all know what I'm saying. And, and so, I mean, I don't know what that's like because I am the favorite, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> no, but I am. So anyway, like... The, the <laughs> But this is how it works sometimes. We look and we go like, oh, dude, this is the, no, no, you have closer access than me. And so I'm going to ask you to ask them because if I ask, I ain't going to get a favorable answer. And this is what we see. And so why am I saying all this? Because, because Jesus actually shows us like a, a good example of how to have boundaries and intimacy and access levels in our lives. Like Jesus actually had people who were close with him and people who were still in his circle, but not super close. So he had at least 72 disciples. Disciples aren't like, you know, just random people. Disciples are people who are following. Disciples follow the teacher. You know what I'm saying? And so he had 72 of these guys, and he sent them out two by two. But out of the 72, he had 12. And out of the 12, he had three. And out of the three, he had one. And even further, besides the one, he had someone who was even deeper in his heart, the Father. And you would see Jesus even spending even more intimate time with the Father. And so why am I saying all this? Because he actually gives us an example of how to create healthy boundaries in relationships. Instead of just going like, well, I'm supposed to love everybody, so that equals I let everybody come into every area of my life. It's super unhealthy, and it's going to bring chaos to your life. And we know Jesus loves the world, right? You know what I'm saying? We sing it in kids' church. Jesus loves the little children, all the children. You know what I'm saying? Like, he just loves everybody. Jesus loves everybody. But he did this on, for, on purpose for us to realize that not everyone should have the same access to our lives. And so if you have a pen or a paper, I want you to just do this. Just draw a circle, a smaller circle, and just put, put a circle and just put Jesus in it. <laughs> just put Jesus in it. Or Jesus, <laughs> No. There's too many jokes affiliated with that. I'm not going to even go there. That's the God spot. Now draw a circle around that circle. 
Like, actually, let me just re- the God spot is that intimate place. Like, nobody's going to love you. Nobody's going to, like, know you the way Jesus does. There, that place is reserved for God. And we've talked about this over the last few months, even talking about when, when someone else gets in that spot, that's actually called idolatry. You know, like, like God is always has to be the first one, right? Like, he has to be the one. Or else we actually kind of forfeit our purpose of creation because it says all things are made by God and for God, by Christ and for Christ. So, like, if Jesus isn't the one in there, inevitable uh, destruction will come in, in various ways, okay? God's spot. The second, that circle around there, that spot is for your spouse. Now, not everyone in the room is married, but what, when your, your future spouse will be there, but, or it's for the deepest connection. It's like your best friend. It could be a parent. It could be a sibling. It could be whatever, but it's your deepest connection, this is what Jesus had with John. It was the deepest connection that we see that he had. Like no one else laid back on him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we'll get there. Okay. So draw a circle around that. And that other circle will be like your children. Now I get it. I think I'm the only one who has a kid. <laughs> oh, hey, come on. We, they're like close in age too. Um, so listen, like it's your children should be in that spot. But if you have no children yet, I think it could be like a place for possibly like close family or friends or stuff like that. Here's the deal that I want you to know though. If you have someone in the spot for the spouse and they're not like, say it's like another friend, uh, when you get married, that person has to transition out of that spot to an outer circle or else there's going to be some conflict in your marriage. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Yeah. You get, you get that? So you have to move that person out. Same thing, if, there, if there's other people in the children's spot, say you don't have children now, okay, that's fine. But later on in life, when you have children, you have to move them out because your, your kids have to be higher priority than anybody else, obviously, besides your spouse. And so you get that. Okay, so the fourth one, that fourth circle, draw another circle around that, is like extended family and, and, and your best friends and, and people in that area. Like it's, it's an area for that type of relationship. You draw a circle around that, this is where you get like, am I going too fast? Yes. Sorry, no, maybe half and half. Okay. You can see it up there. There's just not labels on it, okay? Um, but uh, the next one out there is like neighbors or coworkers. So these are your, you know what I'm saying? You have somewhat of a friendship with them because you see them, but you're not super deep. You know what I'm saying? They don't get the same access. Like they don't walk over and walk inside your house and open your fridge. You know what I'm saying? Like it's just not the kind of access that they should have in your life, right? And then the next circle out that is like community, like the acquaintances that you see. They're just, it's just community. So just acquaintances and things like that. Um, And then... That last huge one out there, <laughs> you know, people like Charlie Shane and Al-Qaeda, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, listen, maybe God puts, maybe God puts like Charlie Shane on your heart to pray for him. You have no relationship. There's no access level. You're still loving him by praying for him. Cool. Or like scary people like, like Al-Qaeda, you know what I'm saying? Like we are still required to love them, right? Like <laughs> the Bible says, live a life of love. We are required to love them as followers of Christ. If we're choosing to follow Christ, that's part of it. They just don't get access. You know what I'm saying? Like they just don't get the same access as your best friends do. They don't get the same access as all that. You love them from a distance, if we can say it like that. Did you get all that? Yeah. I'm saying this is, this is what happens. So, so say, for example, you have someone in the... Uh, whatever, in the friend section, in the friend circle, a friend zone. Hey, 
Whoa, wait a second. Hey, do we need to talk about this? Um, <laughs> so someone's in the friend zone, but they're not, I'm not, okay, that's just a bad connotation. Like I'm saying like you're friends with someone and let's just say they have, you have a conflict with a friend and they, you're, you're using iMessages, you know, you're communicating what's going on, but they will not, there's no, there's no like cleaning up their mess. Like I say they did something and you're trying to reconcile. There's nothing. There's no repentance. There's no like forgiveness. There's nothing happening. They're just like, no, nah, I don't want to be your friend. They're just shooting out all this manipulative stuff and all that. Well, you're at one point going to have to move them out of the circle and move them to an outer circle to keep a healthy life. And you don't know I mean to maintain a healthy life. And, and you can't just keep destructive relationships in your life consistently or else it's going to damage your life. And you're going to kind of feel like out of control. You're going to feel controlled. You're going to feel all this stuff. You're like, hey, listen, I love you and I'm committed to love you, but love doesn't equal doormat. And I'm not going to let you walk all over me. And so when this relationship gets more respectful, then we'll continue again. But until then, I'm going to move away from this. Not because you're trying to punish them, not because you're trying to manipulate them and say like, you're not my friend anymore. Not saying anything like that. Because remember, boundaries are protecting your priorities. This is, this is damaging right here. This relationship is damaging to my heart. It's damaging to, to this thing. I, I, this is too disrespectful and I'm a powerful person and I'm not going to live in this. And so therefore, I'm gonna, we're going to have to have a little distance. Until this gets more respectful, then we can't really, we can't do this. Does that make sense? And so boundaries... Boundaries communicate access and priority and value. It's important for us to realize that boundaries communicate stuff. They, they communicate the access levels, and we talked about that. Like, for, let me just, like for example, if someone like comes up to me uh, randomly at, like at, at a church service, and I don't really know them very well, and they say, hey, man, my car just broke down, and blah, 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 I, I just need some help, whatever. and I, I would be like, oh, man, like, let me pray for you. <laughs> saying like, I want to bless you and encourage you. If someone who's in a, a, a little step closer, say, say, I know you a little bit more and we're connected. I'm going to be like, Hey, here's a number of my mechanic. I'm going to give you his number. Let him know that I sent you and he's going to give you a good deal. And it's because they have a little more access. Let's just say a closer friend comes. Let's say, let, let's just say Emily or, or let's say like Joel. And you know, like I, because I trust him, I'll be like, Hey, Hey, my car just broke down. Uh, man, I, I don't know. I'd be like, all right, well, hey, here's my keys. You know what I'm saying? I'd be like, you can drive my car for a couple of days. or We have two cars. We can figure it out, blah, blah, blah. You know what I'm saying? Like if, we, if we're on that level, I'm just throwing out examples. If we're on that level, you get that much, that's, that much more access to my life. Like we did this, I think, I think we've let you, well, actually we gave you a car, but anyway, like I'm saying like, because she's our sister. So like, I'm saying like, Michaela's my sister. So that's, that's the next level. Like, you know I'm saying like, we're going to hook her up the best that we can. So we, we're going to, because she has different access. I'm not going to do the same thing for everybody in the crux. You know what I mean? But she has a different level of access because she's family. And then let's just say, Rochelle calls me and says, honey, like, you know what I'm saying? But you know, it's a whole different deal now. It's not like, it's like, oh, okay, you know, this is, this is a whole nother deal. I'm going to do, I'm going to use all my resources. I'm going to use all my energy. I'm going to use all my time because this relationship calls for that much access. You see what I'm saying? So these boundaries communicate the access level that people have, but they also communicate what our priorities are. And we kind of spoke about that as well, but they communicate value. So if I just like 
like if I just went to like Times Square or whatever, and, and there's a huge crowd, and I just threw my wallet out on the ground and just walked away, how many understand that people are going to be like, I wonder, but well, I don't know. You know, say <laughs> it's like not too much value because I just don't really care about it. There's nothing on it. But if I took this, I brought it into like a high security bank and said, I need to put this in the most highest like security vault that could ever be. I'm going to put this in that vault. How many of you know that people, when they see me putting this in that vault, they're going to be like, what is in that wallet? There must be some serious stuff. Why? Because the boundary communicated a value. If I just throw it out there, it's like, yeah, whatever. I don't really care. You know what I'm saying? It's like, but if I put it in, actually, I'm going to take it because it actually is valuable. I'm going to put it in my pocket. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right? Because boundaries actually communicate the, 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 the value. Like when the president comes to town, you know, some places, you know, you see that, that he's in that limo car and then they like got all like 50 million cop cars around. They got the, the sirens, the flag, the whole deal. Because as the leader of the U.S. of A, America, he, he's valuable. You know what I'm saying? Like, because boundaries communicate value. When you guard and protect relationships, you're saying that they're valuable. When when I mark out time for my wife and my son, I'm saying they're valuable. Here here we go. When, When you mark out time for Jesus, you're saying that your relationship with him is valuable. You're like, well, I got a lot of homework. I got a lot. I don't really have time to talk to Jesus. Well, you're communicating something by that. You're communicating that there's a higher priority and you might want to check the God spot in your heart because there might be something else in there other than Christ. Are you with me on this? Boundaries communicate value. And when you guard relationships, you're saying that they're valuable. So this is what boundaries do. They, they keep in what you want to keep in and they keep out what you want to keep out. So like I would say, like if I... If I just let everyone have all access to me all the time, we get the all access pass, I'm going to understand that that actually allows chaos in my life. That actually allows unrest and stress and anxiety because I think I have to be everybody for everything all the time. But when I have a boundary, I'm going to keep out what I don't want in. You know what I'm saying? Like what I, I'm going to keep out what I want out, like things like fear, things like disrespect, things like chaos. When I create this boundary, I'm saying I'm, not, I'm a powerful person and I'm not going to let all this stuff live inside of me. So I'm going to create this boundary now. So that way my heart isn't full of all. I'm not experiencing this on a consistent basis. But boundaries also keep in what I want to keep in. Things like love, things like peace, things like joy, things like, like satisfaction and fulfillment in Christ and all these things. This is what, this is what boundaries do. And so, but we've been talking about this and I'm repeating this a lot, but boundaries protect your priorities. They are not walls to hide behind. They help you protect what's most valuable to you. That's what boundaries do. And so I'm going to land on this and we'll close on this, these kind of guidelines for setting limits. Number one is, and we learning to uh, require respect, learn to require respect. Um, kind of started going there already, but we'll go there fully. Uh, when people are consistently disrespectful and do not clean up their mess, they may have to move out a circle. And, but here's the deal. Dealing with those situations requires powerful communication. And, and all last week's message, it requires you having those exchanging of what's going on inside of you and, and hearing what's going on inside of them so that you can actually understand what's happening instead of make assumptions. And so, 
It doesn't mean we stop loving them. It just means that they get less access. And it's not a, a mean of punishment or, or whatever. It's just that the relationship is disrespectful. And so powerful people just don't choose to live in those type of scenarios. Uh, let me say this, though. No boundaries in your life actually attract disrespectful relationships. They actually invite those things into your life. When, it's like... Um, it's like when you see an abandoned building with no windows and no doors and stuff. How many understand that attracts like vandals and people are just going to go in there and try to get all the stuff, throw rocks at the thing and all that. Because it's because the mere look at it is telling you that there's it's, it's not, it, you know, there's no boundaries. There's nothing. It's just run down. There's, if, you know, how many know like a house with no windows and no doors are just communicating like all access. And so you're actually inviting people to come into that. And so when you actually have no boundaries, you're attracting disrespectful relationships. So let me say this in other words, when you don't have value enough for yourself to place boundaries, you actually invite others to not have value for you. Does that make sense? When you're not valuing yourself enough to place boundaries, you're inviting other people to not have boundaries and to not place value on you as well. And so... Just to reiterate that again, it, one way to require respect is actually to value yourself. And because you teach people how to treat you by the way that you treat you. And so if you have no boundaries and you just say yes to everything and your no has no power to it, then you're going to get people to try to make you do everything that they want you to do. You get that? When you value, I mean, let me say this. And I'm, I'm kind of jumping ahead of myself again, but when your yes is really powerful and your no is really powerful, you just taught people that when you talk, it actually means what you say. And people will begin to respect that. When you say something and do something else, people, people don't live <laughs> Sure enough, over time, they'll realize when they say this, they don't really mean this, so, so I can keep walking all over them. But you have to require respect if you're being a powerful person. And so... That assertive communication that we spoke about last week, it says that I am valuable and that you are valuable. And so we communicate like that. We use those I messages. And so, like I was saying, in the midst of disrespectful conversations, a good way to, to require respect is to say, I'll be glad to finish this conversation when it becomes respectful. And, and so we have to realize that if we aren't requiring respect, then we're inviting disrespect. And so it's so powerful. And so we, as we set limits in our lives, we require respect. Number two, we tell others, tell others what you're going to do. Tell others what you're going to do instead of telling them what they have to do. Tell others what you're going to do instead of telling them what they have to do. On a good day, like I said before, the only person you can control is yourself. And so I'm creating this boundary. I'm saying this is what, okay, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to go and spend some time with the Lord right now. I'm going to tell you what I'm going to, I'm not going to tell you like, you have to do this. No, no, no. I'm in control of me. I'm not going to try to control you. I'm going to do homework. (laughs) I'm going to spend time with my family. And so you communicate, when you communicate that, you're communicating your priorities. I'm going to do this. And you're, you're saying, this is how I'm, communicating my boundary to you. This is how I'm communicating my priorities to you. I'm going to do this. Okay. And so number three is remember that people believe your actions more than they believe your words. This is where I was already getting ahead of myself. But number three is 
Remember that people believe your actions more than they believe your words. And so the first time that you say, you're in a, say you're in a conflict and, and it's getting disrespectful, the first time that you say, I'll be glad to finish this conversation when it becomes respectful, may come as a shock to the person you're saying it to, but it'll really hit home when you actually walk away. Because a crazy thing happens when your feet move somewhere else, your ears also do too. You know what I'm like, <laughs> and a conversation needs two people in it. <laughs> and so when you walk away from a disrespectful uh, conversation, you, you literally communicated to them really strong. Like your yes actually equals yes, and your no actually equals no. And they know now. And so they know if they want to be in a conversation with you, it'll have to be respectful. Not because you're trying to demand it, not because you're trying to manipulate it, but because you're a powerful person and you're not going to subject yourself to disrespect. So, okay, you can do whatever you're going to do because I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. I don't care what you do because you're in control of you. I'm not. I'm going to go, I'm going to walk away right now because this is really disrespectful. If you want me to be a part of this, then you can be respectful, but, or, or you know what I'm saying? You don't have to say it, you have to, but I'm saying like, if you want me to be a part of this, this conversation has to be respectful. If not, I'm walking away. And you can say it all day long, but when you actually walk away is when it actually gets power behind it. Your words actually become truth when you live it out. And they have more weight to them. When your yes equals yes and your no equals no, your words actually have power behind them. And people will respect you for it. And so, man, I I believe that when you communicate a boundary and live it out, people will actually believe in you. or Not believe in you, but will believe you. Amen. Let's have the team come back up. I'm, I'm done. I think I'm done talking tonight. There it is. Yeah. So, actually, I want, I want to pray with you. Let's just stand together tonight. And um, listen, this whole series, my, my heart is that each one of us will be able to walk away from this, living a life that you are in control of your own life. Like you're living a life that you're in control of and you're not a victim. You're not, you know, stuck. I want you to know one of the things that I want you to walk away the most with this whole series is this, is that you are not stuck. Can you say that with me? Say, I am not stuck. Ready, set, go. I am not stuck. You actually have what it takes to live a powerful life. You have what it takes. You have what it takes to actually draw lines and say, listen, this relationship is getting disrespectful. Or, hey, I actually might need to actually invite some people into some places because you might be like a little lonely in some of those inner circles. You know what I'm saying? Because your boundaries aren't really boundaries. They're just fear. And so like, okay, I need to invite some people in here to like, hey, you know what I'm saying? Because sometimes we're like, that's my boundary. Like, no, that's just fear to hide it from everybody. You know what I'm saying? Like, (laughs) I thought you were done talking. I thought I was too. All right, Lord. I just want to pray. Just put your hand on your heart. God, I thank you for each heart in this room. And Father, I pray, even now, like where, where we've kind of lived some out of control lives, like where if we've been in situations where we've kind of let everyone just walk all over us, or maybe not everyone, maybe just one person, two people. It could even be really important people in our lives, but that we're letting them walk all over us and take advantage of us. God, I pray that tonight would be a night where we could start shifting some things. And I pray, God, that you would give us strength, you give us courage to 
to mark out some of these boundaries, Lord. And Lord, I thank you that even, even here, I just feel like even just that little, like the little amount of time that we spent like talking about the God spot, I just feel like it's such a huge importance for our lives. And God, I pray where if anything's been getting in that spot, whether it be homework or school or friends or hobbies or whatever it is, God, I'm praying that we would just realize like we just repent like and put you back in the God spot in our hearts. We realize that we're made for you and for you alone. And so, Father, in the name of Jesus, we, we choose again to submit to your lordship and we choose again to believe when you said we can have self-control and to follow your example, to imitate God and to live a life of love. Thank you, God. Just sit, let's just wait on the Lord for a second and just let the stuff, whatever, if, if God was lighting up something or speaking to your heart to rearrange some priorities or whatever it is, like, let's just take a moment and just let him speak to us on it. Father, show us if there's any areas in our lives where we need to draw some clear boundaries, invite people in, all that. Just thank you for that, Lord. Yeah, just speak to us. If there's anything that God's showing you, just write it down, you know, help you remember. Thanks, Lord. Thank you, Father. just bless you tonight, Lord. We thank you that you did not give us a spirit that makes us a slave again to fear, but you sent the spirit of adoption into our hearts. And by that spirit in us, we can cry out, Daddy God. Thanks, God, for being a good father to us, for setting us free from fear. That we will not be Slaves to, con- to control or manipulation or intimidation. But God, I thank you that we're your children. And our older brother, Jesus, set a real good example for us. So give us, give us courage to walk it out tonight. Let's just take a few moments just to worship and to sing it out to the Lord tonight.